0: Hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley. This is your podcast host, Ray Silva. Don't forget, we drop episodes every week here on anchor.fm forward slash stbs. This week's guest features RGV FC Toros president, Ron Patel. He will be giving us our assessment of the state of the Toros part three. Don't forget, we drop episodes every week. Here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley, and welcome to another South Texas Border Sports podcast. This is part three of the State of the Toros. And joining me today is the president of RGBFC Toros. He is Ron Patel. Ron, welcome back to the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. How are you today?
1: Thanks, Ray. It's great to be back. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: All right, let's uh, get the show going. So now that now that you've been able to see a, f- a few games and miss a few games here and there, assess the team, uh, as of this point, I know it's not. Where it's wanting to be uh, standings wise, but uh, just give me a little bit of a rundown of, of what you've seen from this team.
1: You know, I I see a lot of heart out there. I see I see a group of young guys that are getting their experience. They're cutting their teeth in pro soccer, and I think we're still trying to find our our rhythm as a team. Unfortunately, obviously, it's been an unexpected year with COVID, um, and we haven't had some of the uh, some of the, the the things we thought we would have in place, but everyone's had to deal with the same situation, so everyone's dealing with the same challenges. But I think we have a team of very talented players. But as we all know, in, in soccer, soccer is not an individual sport; it's a team sport. So it's finding the right eleven guys to gel together, depending on the opponent that we're playing, and it's difficult. And I don't I don't envy the position that Jerson has sometimes because it's very difficult. Uh, when you've got so many young, inexperienced guys, but have so much talent, so um, I love to I love to see the the heart that they play with, uh, regardless of the results. Obviously, the results haven't been there for us this year, um, but I'm I'm hoping there's there's still the best of the Toros uh, to come here in the 2020 season.
0: Now, one of the, you mentioned coach's name, and now recently. Uh, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I've been reading on social media and some of the other media outlets as well. A lot of people have been asking for Gerson's head because of the record not being there, and I've kind of had to step in to play a, li- a little bit of a role of peacemaker, where I've essentially have to tell these people, "Look, you're barking up the wrong tree, here, and you're doing it for." like essentially all the wrong reasons okay first of all this is not Ron's call this is a Houston thing not a Ron Patel thing and and people here are, are, are used to winning and I guess they took everything for granted what happened here in year one but now that you have had some time to to work with a MLS club, how has that relationship been like uh, from your first day on the job to now? What's been that relationship like?
1: Yeah, I mean, the relationship is good because they are great people up in Houston. And, and one, who I'm referring to is mainly Matt Jordan and Nick Calva, who I work with most of the time with the Dynamo. Uh, they're terrific guys. They know soccer. They know the landscape of the Rio Grande Valley. They have a lot of respect for the Rio Grande Valley and the talent that's down here and all the opportunity that there is in soccer. Um, I'm still getting used to obviously the dynamic, the world I come from was where we control the technical side of the field as well. So, uh, and again, it's not about control. And when you asked your question, I was thinking, I don't like to like point fingers or I don't think there's blame anywhere. I think we're just dealing with, with a lot of unfortunate situations this year. Um, obviously people's health and safety and welfare is the number one concern of all of us and should be the number one concern of all of us. Um, But then after that, obviously our sports keep us entertained and, and we'd like to to have a winning team and trust me, I I'm as competitive as they come and I want a winning team more than anyone. So learning the dynamics of the relationship, learning how best to communicate um, when it's, when it's not, you know, our team out on the field, even though it is our team has been an adjustment for me. Um, but I think it's just kind of working at it day by day and learning the best way that from the front office, we can offer our support and keep the guys motivated. And I talk to coach a lot. You know, I always reinforce how supportive I am. I hope, I hope he thinks I'm supportive of him, um, because I am a huge fan of the team. I've always been a fan of teams. I've, I've been an owner in the past and I've also been a club president in different leagues. Um, and I've always been like the number one fan of the team. I'm, I'm, if I'm not at every game, I'm watching every game. Uh, I've been to a, been to a road game this year, but I've watched every road game on TV. And of course I've been at every home game. So it's, uh, it's definitely taken some getting used to, uh, but I'm, I'm up for the challenge and I know people want results now. And I do too, just, just know that. And I'm learning how best to do what I can from the front office side to help uh, give these guys the tools to win. I mean, we, we manage all the travel for, for the road games and everything. And we've tried to do everything we can to make the guys feel safe, make the guys feel comfortable uh, with COVID restrictions. You know, we're, we, we took buses to El Paso. We bought I think 120 seats for to try to transport 30 guys to make sure they were socially distanced, spread out. I don't know if people realize all the precautions and protocols we're taking to try to keep these guys as safe as possible. So there's a whole handbook that we follow um, that I have read. I can't say I retained every word of it. Mm It's a good job. I'm not the operations guy. But, um, But we're taking every step we can and spending a lot of money, obviously, in making sure these guys feel safe when they travel, feel safe in the training environment. And of course, in between that, we're dealing with COVID-19 I think I've been public about it I had the disease too and it was it was horrible the virus sorry not the disease um and so you know we want to do everything we can to to keep these guys as safe as possible
0: now you said you've been saying a a lot of of this were challenges at least for this year earlier this year we had a game that went into the very very wee hours in the morning oh yeah I I had the uh the opportunity, and the privilege of uh, bringing the the best of my ability to cover a game like that. What were the feelings like inside that locker room, just trying to get everything from from an administration standpoint, just to try to get this game going?
1: Yeah, it was an intense night. Um, I was there every minute of it. I'm sure you saw me on the field uh, during the breaks while I was on the conference calls with the league. Uh, and with Tulsa and their their leadership. Uh, and just to be clear, I did not go in the locker room. I'm not allowed to go in the locker room because <laughs> of protocols. And I'm not uh, tested weekly uh, and in the bubble with the players and everyone. So I was in the, in the tunnel, uh, keeping my distance away from folks as much as I could, but still being uh, in the action and, and understanding what was going on, what the challenges were. It's an interesting dynamic, right? It, I kind of it was almost like uh, the the New York Stock Exchange floor, right? Because you've got the, the Tulsa camp over in one side, you've got the RGB camp in the other side, you've got the referee camp on one side, uh, and then then you've got uh, the league on the phone, and then they have a the league has a representative in each game, kind of in the corner, trying to stay out of it, and and uh, when I say try to stay out of it, like letting the teams. Uh, communicate what they feel like is best. Ultimately, it's the league's decision to decide what goes on and not the league representative that's at the stadium, the league in Tampa. Um, so it was all these different types of communication. And, of course, uh, we're all trying to win a game and get three points. So, so everyone's lobbying for what they feel will give their team the best chance of three points. And then it's up to the league to make that decision on what's the safest and best way to go about it. And, and ultimately we ended up playing the game, uh, kicking off at, I think it was 11:40 PM. Uh, I don't remember it was a long day of work and, uh, I didn't get home until about 4 AM that night, but, uh, it was definitely something I'd never seen before. So throw that on top of a pandemic a hurricane and everything else. Right. Yeah. Two uh,
0: ever been a part of something like that before?
1: No, no, I've never seen anything like it. And I've, I ran my own business for ten years, uh, from thousand six to twenty fifteen, and and had lots of intense situations, and been a part of soccer since twenty thirteen when I started my PDL team in Albuquerque, and then been a part of USL since twenty seventeen, uh, leading up to twenty nineteen when New Mexico started. And nope, never seen anything like it. Closest I've seen was uh, I did have I've had two games delayed before uh, till the next day where we played, and, and that's what we were asking for was to move the game into the next day, and I think we'd picked 11 a.m. as the playing time, and there was no weather that was going to happen, and the weather turned out to be perfect at that time. But uh, unfortunately, the, the league decided to play the game that night.
0: As I'm being joined by RGBFC Pro- Toros uh, president, Ron Patel, Ron, uh, you know, a lot of the fans, I mean, they, they asked me, like, hey, is this ever going to happen? And that question is, is there an imminent divorce? And I go look for the foreseeable future, there isn't, because the word multiple years is attached to it, and that's just so, uh, something that the fans have uh, grown a, a bit frustrated because all the way the team, the team is in the standings, and you know, and and it's it's kind of the same redundant question, like, hey, where are we? Never going to get back to, to year one status where uh, we were always close to the top of the table. And I go, Look, my, my response to them is, Look, this is all on Houston, okay? Houston calls all of the shots on the roster. For example, and, and, and I try to be clear concise with the fans. You know, if Houston, for example, plays a 4 4 1 formation, guess what we're doing? We're playing that same a 441 formation with the players that we have and not with what the Dynamo are sending down to us thanks to covid because covid was g- going to be a big it, it's been a, a a big train wreck for both organizations. And now w- with you as as the president, what what can you tell the fans uh, to look forward to with whatever's left for this season and potentially the upcoming season, if there's, if there's already plans underway for next season.
1: Yeah. So just so I understand uh, the question you're asking, what do we have to look forward to this year and next? Is that what you're asking? You know, I think, I think we, any of us that, that have a, that have a job, right. We go to work, and we try to do the best we can at work that day, and then we try to learn from our experience in our job and do a better job the next day. And at least that's the way I approach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, same in sports, right? I have a job with, um, I have a job with this team for the for the the front office, and I want to do the best I can to help put the best product out there for our fans. And obviously, I don't have direct control over the team. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm learning more and more every day about communicating with Houston, communicating with coach, communicating with our players, communicating with our community. What can we do better to best serve the community? Obviously, a lot of the stuff that I'm used to doing involves face-to-face contact that I haven't been able to do this year. Uh, The way that, for those of you, those listeners that don't know, I was part of starting New Mexico United Uh, the USL team in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, That was really a project five years in the making. I was building a PDL team for five years before that and then stopped doing that when I helped put together the ownership group uh, and became the first employee really of New Mexico United. And the way we built that was was with handshakes and and face-to-face interactions and some hugs and uh, interactions with children and bringing people together in unique ways and going to the community and, 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 again, talking to people, interacting with people. And I haven't been able to do that this year because of this this virus and six weeks of it because I was at home um, <laughs> suffering from the virus. But the rest of the time, because it's just not safe to bring people together too much now. So uh, what they, what can I look forward to is as soon as it's safe to do that stuff again, that's what I do best is I think that my biggest skill is being able to connect and being able to bring people together and instill and, and pride, uh, not just in the players, but pride for the fans, for the team. And, and yeah, it'd be foolish of me to say, I think we're going to win championship this year. Uh, I think that's very unlikely. But I think what you can look forward to is a consistent effort, a strong effort, and these guys will play hard. I will continue to encourage them no matter what the results and continue to encourage better play and to learn from our mistakes and learn from the challenges we face. Uh, and then as we roll into next year, hopefully we've got um, more of a runway for uh, interacting with the community. And how can this team be a, be a, a, a catalyst for positives, positivity all around the valley? You know, I mentioned New Mexico before. We would go all around the state of New Mexico and take the team to people instead of just waiting for people to come to the team. Um, and that's what I love doing. I think that's what I'm really good at doing. And when I get the chance to do that, I think people will feel the impact even more of the Toros. And if you're asking directly about on-field play, um, obviously, I think it can't get much worse than the results we have right now. So you can look forward to better results. Uh, and, and we will continue to improve. And right now, our sights are set on San Antonio. And I've been talking to, to, to Jerson. We're recording this, obviously, on Thursday Uh, I've been talking to Gerson all week and, and God, I want to beat these guys so bad tomorrow night, national television, ESPN, Deportes in Spanish, hundreds of thousands of people watching the game. Uh, We've been doing a big drive to raise money for a local charity. So I'm excited for tomorrow night. I hope you guys are excited. Uh, It's, it's time to get the first W of the year.
0: Uh, Definitely. I mean, I I always have a spot up there in the media booth uh, regardless of where they put me. I mean, I'll be, I'll be happy to cover the team win, lose, or draw. You know, but I—I I mean, go, going back to that more interesting night, which ended for me at around three thirty. Yeah, uh, it was uh w- one of those nights where okay, I—I've been through like the middle of a thunderstorm, and we wait till like the last possible second to call it. And let me tell you that that night right there, it was fun for me. Because not not only did it take me back to my old college days, where I would stay up late on weekends just to refine my my uh, term papers or just general assignments that require a lot of work. So mm-hmm. for me, staying up till three a.m. no problem. I mean, hell, it just it just only took me back nine years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my college days, I was good at staying up till that. That was a normal thing for me. I went to Arizona State, so. I had a lot of fun in college. It reminded me of uh, when I looked at my my car uh, clock when I was pulling into my driveway. There's no cars in the road. Do you remember that, Ray? There was like yeah. no cars in the road. We went home. Oh. Obviously, we were still under a, a, a citywide, uh, qu- not quarantine, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, curfew. <laughs> and I'd never seen the roads here so dead since I've moved here.
0: Yeah, it, you know, on my way back, I only saw like three law enforcement officers. I thank you kindly for not pulling me over, and yeah. I thank you kindly for keeping us safe, though.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, you you know, uh, coming going back into business uh, related RGVFC, um, you know, we the community has been, you know, been uh very very expressive about team performance, and and everything else, but that same community keeps coming back showing their support and you guys have been opening up uh limited uh, seating to at least give them a view from a big screen now how did how did that project come along to allowing uh people back into the stadium even if it wasn't for like in in in-game attendance purposes how 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 did that come about like what what leg words went into that
1: you're talking about the drive-in? Yes. Yeah, and we're doing it again this week. So um, the idea is, is how do we figure out when, you know, we've surveyed fans of when they're going to feel safe coming back to the stadium. The majority of the people that were surveyed told us they are, they do feel safe to come back. We're, however, holding off for right now on having fans in the stadium. We want to make sure we make the right decision for our community and not put us in a worse position than we were before. So we said, well, what can we do creatively? And I'm walking to the stadium one day and I'm just walking around and I looked up from that parking lot. I'm like, wait a minute, you can see the, the jumbotron. You can see the video board. So we came up with the idea. We have a regular manager's meeting every morning um, for our company. And so one, it's always on Zoom uh, to, to keep everyone safe. So instead of doing it on Zoom one day, we did it out there. We all parked our cars and did it on uh, on Zoom inside of our cars. And we talked about that. The viewing experience would be like to watch the game from there. So that's how the idea came about. And so what we do is we have socially distanced parking spaces, meaning that every other parking space has a cone in it that nobody can park in. So you can park your car there. We put trucks in the back, cars in the front and that way no one, no big truck's going to be in the way of a car behind them. Uh, we just charged 20 bucks um, and it was really just a nominal fee because you can put, we a lot of people put six people in a car. Uh, if you want to bring, you know, some food and beverage, Uh, you know, adult beverages are allowed. Um, You can bring it or we are selling it there as well. If you want to support our concessions operations and buy some fresh beers or some fresh sodas and popcorn, we we have that too. And so it's a great opportunity to watch the game from your car uh, or you can bring some chairs and you've got that parking space next to you and you're still going to be socially distanced from other people. Uh, Therefore, people feel safe. Uh, and everyone's got masks. So we have signage going up this time to make sure everyone is wearing their masks if they're walking around. And then we open up our restrooms so if people need to use the restrooms. They can walk into this facility in a uh, controlled uh, environment. So that's how it came about. Did it first time. Uh, seemed to went really well. I talked to everybody that, that came, thanked them all. I'm gonna do it again for this Friday's game. And it's kind of our way of slowly testing out, seeing what it's like for the public. And, and hopefully by the end of the year, we can be back in the stadium if it's safe. Um, but that remains to be determined.
0: As I'm being joined by RGBFC President Ron Patel, Ron, I, I'll leave you with this last question. You know, another question that I've been getting uh, from the fans and, and, and even reading some of the feedback from, from social media, aside from the, uh, the frustrations and controls that the team uh, has been going through, you know. Uh, I mean I, I try to to, to step and play uh, a little bit of peacemaker you know uh, with them uh, obviously barking up that wrong tree you know because they, they seem to want to go after you I'm like no 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 wait 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 I'm like no this is this is more of a Houston thing it's still you know with with the quality of players that, that we have right now on the roster and seemingly the academy what? what progress have you seen from the Academy uh, that you've been able to see so far, just talking to your Academy director and and how is that coming along?
1: Yeah. So a couple things there, based on your question, again, I don't like to point fingers and say, Hey, it's this person's fault. Um, sure. And it, you know, they charge, they control the players. So it's, it's Houston's fault. They're in this, this COVID pandemic as well. Just like we are typically MLS players would be belowing being loaned down regularly, Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not able to do that, right, because of MLS. So I don't like to point the fingers at them and say it's there. We do have a young and inexperienced team, right? We, we do lack experience. Um, we, we have an athletic team. We have a quick team. Um, but, again, when you lack that experience and you get later into games, sometimes where you'll see that lacking is on the finishing, uh, i.e. scoring goals. But it was great to get a couple more – a couple goals in that last game to see, to see really a, a spark in the offense – Um, so I do want to, you know, I don't want to say, look, it's all Houston's fault. Would I like to see more experienced players in the field from Houston? Absolutely, and we got to figure out how to make that work. Um, Your question about the academy, just so it's clear, um, the the academy, it's kind of a unique relationship that that we have with them that that I have just started learning about, of course, when I got here. The academy is not a part of our team. They're an independent club Mm -hmm. that have the branding of the Toros with us. Um, However, we are in regular contact with them um, the academy director, his name is Rafa Amaya. He's a great guy, played in MLS, played internationally as well. Um, I knew his family back in New Mexico as well. So um, Rafa helps out when our guys are on the road and, and players are, are here, not, and they don't really have a place to train or train by themselves because you can only take so many guys on the road. He helps train those guys when they're back here, uh, and he's kind of like a liaison between the, the Toros Academy and the first team. Uh, but it's not actually an academy that we operate. I just want to make that clear. Um, they are a, an independent nonprofit corporation, uh, 501c3, uh, that has the academy. And then they have a, uh, an agreement to, to wear our brand um, on the pitch when they're playing.
0: All right. Ron, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I want to do this a third time if need be. But right now, since this is more of a state of a Toro's just trying to get your opinion on on everything that's been going on, you know, uh, just trying to field uh, some questions that the band sent me. Uh, truly appreciate the time and uh, hope we can do this again a, a third time soon.
1: Yeah, no, I always appreciate you guys covering it. As I've told you, I've, I've told Edson, I've told everyone that, look, it's, uh, it's a great relationship to have between local media and sports. And it's your job to hold me accountable. And if I'm not doing my job, I fully expect you guys to tell me that. And uh, and sometimes I, I might hold you accountable for stuff too. But but I appreciate you guys covering us and appreciate the the platform you provide um, for our team to for and for fans to hear from our team and all the stuff the great stuff you guys do. So thanks a lot, Ray. I really appreciate it.
0: No problem. Thank you, Ron.
1: All right. All the best. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Fans, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Don't forget, we'll have another episode next week here on anchor.fm
1: forward slash STBS.